The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Hello and welcome to The Lifestyle Show with me, Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is the weekly show and podcast where we talk to some of the most inspiring people whose work, programmes and interviews we feature on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and also in the lifestyle section of the RTE News Now app. The areas that we focus on, living, parenting, finance, fitness, health, food, fashion, travel, careers, motors and much more. And many of those we feature here are household names. Many others should be and will no doubt be as they go about inspiring people in their day-to-day lives. Today, we're talking to... We had Darren Kennedy on, yes, the most stylish man in Ireland. We had Nora Casey, who was the ultimate winner, who had just had this most beautiful old villa-style home. People might have been slightly surprised that Nora Casey was a very strong businesswoman, but her own office was painted pink and she had lots of glitz and glamour and was all a bit girly. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, you might think, hmm, sounds a little bit different this week. And it is because we're in the stunning building of ODKM Architects on Fitzwilliam Street, Upper, number 39. We're here because Declan O'Donnell, architect extraordinaire, and also the presenter, one of the three presenters of Home of the Year is here with me. And what we're going to be talking about is Favourite Trends 2017, what's on in the third series of Home of the Year, Advice for you, for us at home, little things that we can do, especially if you're living somewhere with a bit tight space, maybe tight budget, and it's a little bit darker. We're going to be covering all of that and so much more, and some of the things as well. Declan's even going to tell us a little bit of the things that he likes to do at home, design-wise, and give us some tips in there. Declan, thank you so much. You're beaming nervously there back at me. Thanks so much for talking to us. No worries. Thanks for dropping in. You have this most beautiful space. and You're sharing offices with uh, Ebony and Co, or at least uh, this workspace. And But all this, all this building that you guys are in is absolutely stunning. Yeah, we're in a big old Georgian building, which is why the acoustics sound so great in here. And it's a lovely place to work because, especially as an architect, you know, we can reuse these buildings. Um, we can enjoy what they offer, which is great height in terms of ceilings, beautiful period detailing, lovely big windows, so loads of natural light as well. They make great office spaces and yeah, we love them. Last time I spoke to you, it was before the first season of Home of the Year and it's hard to believe now you're in your third season and you were in your other offices in Terenure, which yes. were also you had made so pretty. <laughs> yeah, look, as architects, we have to, you know, we have to be surrounded by something in terms of even if it's very, very simple. And our office in Terenure was simple, but it was bright. It was light. It was everything that architects love. So um, we've made the move into town just to be a bit more central. It's a bit easier for our clients. Um but we miss Terenure as well. Well, yeah. also, you had a pooch out there, which I thought was super cute. Where's the pooch? Oh, he's here as well. Yeah. He's followed us. He's a vital member of our design team. That's Bones McCoy. That's uh, Bones McCoy. How are you doing? <laughs> um, he's downstairs answering the phones. Uh, that's our little dog. Um, and he's he had to come with us. I mean, he's an integral part of the team. I'm glad the way you called out his name, just in case he actually would walk over to the radio and recognise it. Well, you know, he probably would. You know, he has an email account. He's a Facebook <laughs> account. You know, I get texts from him. I'm not even joking. Um, I think his owner is, um, yeah, I'm just going to say nothing about that, to be honest. <laughs> but listen, Declan, it was such a pleasure to interview you then because it was right before, as I said, the first se- series mm. of the show. We're now, this is the third series. And before we get into, it's kicked off already. Before we get into it, you had the Celebrity Home of the Year. What yes. a brilliant idea. Tell us about that. It was a super idea. It was great fun as well to work with. And it was just quite a, I think it was a fairly logical thing to do because, you know, we obviously we travel the country, we go in and we have a snoop around people's homes and 
everybody would love to see you know the inside of a few celeb homes so i think it was a brilliant idea we loved doing it it was great fun and what was amazing to see is that you know their homes were kind of just like anyone's homes you know they're real people you know and though we you know they're obviously in the public life or in the public eye but you know when you when you see their living room and you see their kitchen it's just they're the same as everyone else really you know let's lovely. let's remind people who they were so you had Darren Kennedy we had Darren Kennedy on yes the most stylish man in Ireland uh, and his apartment is just amazing I want to move in there tomorrow because it loads of color it loads of you could tell I mean I kind of clocked it was his to be honest because you could tell it was someone in fashion tell it was someone who really knew how to put things together knew about color knew about style um and again, you know, it was height, light, space, you know, all of those things that you want to get right first. And then he'd made the right kind of changes to it in terms of opening it up and just adjusting it for his own lifestyle, which is what it's all about. So that was an amazing, amazing apartment. We had, it. Uh, we had Nora Casey, who was the ultimate winner, uh, who had just had this most beautiful old villa style home that she'd extended. And what I loved about that was her personality really came through. And even though people might, I've been slightly surprised that Nora Casey was a very strong businesswoman, very confident, you know, very, very powerful woman, I would say, you know, in terms of her personality. But, you know, she had, you know, her own office was painted pink and she had lots of glitz and glamour and was all a bit girly. Uh, and I love that balance because when you get through the door, it's like you see who she really is and she's a lovely woman as well. Um, we had Brent Pope, who I'm a big rugby fan, so I could listen to Brent Pope talk about rugby all day long. Uh, and I'd... I actually guessed it was his house halfway through. Did you? Yeah, there was just a few hints there, the rugby and the art and the style and the New Zealand and the fact his favourite spot was outdoors in a hammock. You know, it was just like, this is someone who really loves the outdoors, you know, and I used to live in New Zealand, so um, I know that they love their outdoors out there. You know, they're just really, really connected to nature and it was, that was a gorgeous house as well. Um, then we had, um, who else was there? I'm trying to remember. Trying to remember. Oh, we had uh, Terry Prone. Yes. We had out in the Martello Tower, which was something else. I mean, that's one of my places on my list. You can go to see it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us about that as well? But um, Yes, I think you can go and see it. I'm not sure the... Uh, what? I think it's is it once a w- every two weeks on a Saturday there's a very small window but people can look it up anyway yeah you can yeah I'm sure you can find it I'm not entirely sure the organisation that runs it but you can go and visit it and it's just amazing you know because that is was never a home I mean that was a fortress that's what it was designed for and now it's somebody's home and what they'd done what I loved about that was that they have a big central drum uh, which is the tower itself and it poses a really big challenge in terms of turning that into a home what do you do that's got no windows and we have this drum in the middle of the house. And what Terry done is she had turned it into a library. And for, you know, for someone who's into communication and who's obviously an avid reader and a big lover of the written word. And even in her job now in terms of communication, the whole thing is just set up like a piece of theatre. Um, and that was just the most remarkable room to be in. And then the rooftop, you know, the fact you can still get up onto the rooftop and you have a 360 panorama view. I mean, when we went out and filmed there, you know, the weather was fairly Armageddon, you know, and we were getting blown all over the shop and it was amazing. <laughs> I'd be up there every morning in my dressing gown and my cup of coffee, uh, just, you know, screaming at the world. <laughs> and uh, I just thought that was absolutely, absolutely incredible. And how they'd restored it, how they'd shown the respect to the history that's there and uncovered the staircase and just lived with it. And the adaption that they'd done and the sympathy in terms of their conservation work was just exceptional. What a great idea and a great show. Will there be another Celebrity Home of the Year? Um, I would hope so, yeah, because it was hugely popular. 
I mean, we've been doing this series now three years, but the amount of the amount of traction that that one got was huge. Um, everybody watched it. It was a massive, massively viewed show on RT over Christmas as well. Um, so yeah, I would say without a doubt, I would hope that there would be another one because it was great fun and it was a bit more lighthearted. I think we could be a bit more lighthearted than usual. It was also a one hour long episode, which was nice. Because most, you know, in the series, it's half an hour. We have a lot to get into that half hour, you know, between the three houses, the owners. We need to get their story. We need to get the story of the house as well. And then our scoring and also we have a lot to cram into that kind of 24 minutes of TV or whatever it is. So with the celebrity one, it afforded us a bit more time. You could let the jokes kind of settle a bit more and have a bit more banter as well. Because we have great fun when we go out and and we film the show and they obviously only pick and choose certain elements because they have to tell the whole story of the design of the house. So... Yeah, I'd hope, I'd hope that they would do another one. So we've got eight episodes this time and it's yourself and Deirdre Whelan, um, mm. interior designer, and Hugh Wallace are back again. So interior designer and architect. What is, how does it work? Like how much time do you <laughs> give to each uh, episode and what's the crack like, as you said? Well, how it works is we have very limited information about each house. We literally know when it was built and when it was extended. So, and how many people live there. Just so we know, like, is this a, six-person house is this a two-person is this someone who's living on their own just to give us a very broad outline of who might live there um that's all we know when we walk in and you know certainly the director is adamant that you know our first reaction is the reaction that everybody sees on tv that is what we see that is what everybody sees is our first reaction when we walk in because there's always a surprise in the show you know there really is because you've no idea what's going to lie beyond the door and we're constantly amazed by the standard of what we see as well because we travel the four corners of ireland and um, and you can be down in you know the beyonds in Kerry or out the west coast somewhere and you walk in and you know you walk into a workshop or a converted church or something and you just think this is incredible how has this person done this and it comes from their passion their drive their creativity and that really resonates you can walk around you can really feel that that's the only thing the show doesn't capture is how it makes you feel in these spaces in these rooms um so that's how it starts in terms of the crack i mean we get on very well there's a lot of travel involved we all travel in the same car so we know each other very very well at this stage <laughs> who's the driver um well, oh Jesus, no, well, we don't do the driving because we'd be too exhausted. Because, you know, like, it's a long day's filming. Like, we're a full day in each house, even though, each, you know, in terms of us, that might only equate to maybe six or seven minutes on film. Um, on film? On TV. Anyway, you know exactly what I mean. But uh, we're, it's, it's a full day there because we have to get through each room. We have to get the story right. Um, and there can be long days and long travel. So we don't do the driving. If we were going to do the driving, I would definitely have Hugh do the driving because um, otherwise he just fills up the back of the car full of sweets. And that's why as the series goes on, you'll see all of us just, you know, our waist sizes just gradually increases because Hugh is constantly feeding us sweets. <laughs> it's a good thing. So now we know Hugh is a feeder. That's Absolutely, a- <laughs> yeah. And a man with a sweet tooth. So it's, it is really good, you know, as I said at the top, I, to explain to people how does the show come together mm. um, and how does it work. In terms, so one day per show per house Hmm. and then so for each episode how many days does it take up for you for filming because obviously you're running and working in ODKM um, architects as well yeah yeah it's in fairness the production team have it down to a fine art at this stage so sometimes you don't spend the full day but it's they would certainly allocate a day because once we go in that's our only day to do it and you know we're it's an inconvenience for the homeowners to kind of vacate the house and let us in there as well so we have to go in and we have to make sure that we get the whole story done in as quickly uh time frame as possible um so that's what's allowed and it depends obviously there is travel involved as well so 
sometimes we travel down the night before sometimes we travel of the morning and then we have our own our own work commitments to figure in and you know we have to dovetail all of that as well so it is a logistical nightmare I'd say for the production team to try and manage all of us and the homeowners and the houses and the travel and the crew mm-hmm. as well but uh, they do an amazing job and they're great to work with and we all like very genuinely we all get on very very well who's the production company it's shinna will and they are phenomenal i have to say i mean yeah it's they're just so professional they're so organized whatever they make it very very easy for us yeah because you know we don't really know a whole lot about tv let's be honest but they just make it very very simple they put us at ease and they're very very nice people to work with yeah i I think you're being a bit humble there because you you make it look very easy and i think heading into episode three you're Uh you're an old hat at it now i think well yeah a bit more experienced at this stage but in fairness that's all again that is done the shin will because it's down to the editors at the end of the day i'd say there's a whole different show on the floor uh, on the floor of the editing room in there but uh they can they can always pick out the best bits and they make sure that obviously whoever's there as well is making sure they get the best out of us as well so so there's about three full days filming for each episode. About that, I okay. would say, yeah. Okay. So then when you look back, okay, at, um, you know, what you enjoy the most about it, about mm. making it, and, you know, I presume you would like to keep making it into the mm. future. When you look at Room to Improve, it's 10 years. Are yeah. you thinking, yes, I want to keep going with both TV yeah. and my day job? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, it is very enjoyable. It's great to see. It's great to be able to travel the country. And, you know, we are inspired. I mean, you know, we're architects and, you know, and interior designers this is what we do between the three judges this is what we do every single day and yet we can travel the country and be completely blown away by what we see so that gives us that energy it makes sure that it's always new it always feels like something new it does energize us um we genuinely enjoy doing it we genuinely enjoy doing it um and it is it's it's a bit of inspiration as well and i love i have to say the format of the show and i hope people who watch it are inspired i hope they get ideas i get ideas from walking around and seeing things in people's homes I you know I'm I look at stuff and I get inspiration and ideas from it that I bring back into my everyday work well, as well sitting here in this boardroom or this what would you call this beautiful room? it's not a boardroom this it's like an informal meeting space well it's a beautiful informal meeting space mm. I have already got ideas from this but we'll there get to go. that in a second when we there talk about go. our trends for 2017 uh-huh. but what, what I want to ask you about now is so why do you think home of the year is so popular um I think it's the standard of the homes and the diversity out there. And I think what's changed in Ireland in the last 10, 15 years is that we have become much more design aware, much more design conscious. And that's giving us a constant stream of amazing homes. And they're real homes, real people, real budgets. Now we have everything from, you know, the big kind of fancy projects right down to the very, very simple. And more often than not, it's the simple stuff that shows the most creativity and gets most people talking. And I think that's what the show does. It shows you that it's accessible it shows you that you know well if they can do it i can do it there's a bit of that and the more of that the better as far as i'm concerned because the more we can get people the more we can get people interested in design the more we can get people understanding the value of it seeing people who are extremely happy in their homes and who've really taken ownership of them and changed it for their lifestyle for them is a massive massive message that's what for me that's what good architecture and good design is all about it's not about show homes it's not about fancy finishes it's not about budget it's about being happy it's about emotion it's about making a space that you can call your own and i think as long as everyone is doing that and they are doing it now in ireland which is great then we'll have loads and loads of houses and this show can run and run why are we obsessed in ireland with owning our own home i don't know um it goes i'd say it goes back hundreds of years to be honest um 
we're different from the rest of Europe, you know, and even as if you look at apartment living, we're only kind of getting up to speed now with the fact that apartment living really can be a long-term solution for people. It can be very desirable. Um, I live in an apartment, for example. Uh, we have an apartment in the show, which is great. And when people see it, they will look at it and go, I want to live in an apartment. Forget the house, for, as, because it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, so it's, look, it's probably going to take a long, long time for us to change that mindset we also need the stock as well that can actually feed it properly so we need to have high quality apartments that people can look at and go yes i can go and live there for 10 years and i'm more than happy i'm more than happy to do that and unfortunately the apartments of the last 15 years or whatever it was the opposite that was the case it was certainly i think it was developer led so it was about money it was about figures it wasn't about quality quality is a big word in design and i don't mean that in terms of finishes or money i mean quality of space quality of design layouts you know, ensuring that you can see yourself living somewhere that isn't seen as a temporary thing. It can be it, it, it can be a permanent thing. You can build a life somewhere in an apartment. So it's a big issue. Um, I hope we're heading in the right direction. And talking of temporary and changes, I'm looking at these stunning cushions behind us. What are the trends for... And how do trends work in architect- architecture? It's not seasonal, spring, summer, no. autumn, winter. How do they work and then what's in now? Yeah, trends are really interesting because in interiors they are designed to endure so it's not season by season they would kind of go three four five six years even more um and what's nice about that is that you get this overlapping effect you know you get a trend from three years ago that's now going with you know something that's really popular now as well so you get this very nice interwoven series of layers that you can get from different trends which is lovely um where they come from is you look at the fashion industry you look at marketing advertising you know it tends to come from quite high concept places and then it trickles through so you know if you see a fashion runway at the minute and everyone's wearing a mad pattern or mad color or mad metallics or something that's really kind of out there and edgy you know if it's really going to stick it kind of trickles all the way through and you start to see it in everything really and architecture and interiors is exactly the same so that's generally where it um where it all begins in terms of the trends for this year in terms of color the color green uh, is a massive massive color and it's actually quite a bright green it's all about revitalization and freshness and regeneration which the more of that the better these cushions that you mentioned are bang on trend because it is that pantone greenery is what it's called and that's exactly what that is other colors um would be a powdery blue from julux called denim drift which is a lovely color it's all about familiarity um and again refreshment and revitalization so there are even similarities even there quite different colors they're similar you know there's a similar thread there between them which is all about looking forward and being optimistic and if you look at the last three years that we've had it's no coincidence you know that in terms of politics and the life that we live in it's generally quite turbulent so it's no surprise that when you see in the design world people wanting something fresh something new revitalization you know freshening things up optimism joy these are what these are what people are looking at now because we don't want we're going a little bit away from the dark and moody and broody stuff because we have enough of that in our everyday life. Wow, love that. It's it like it's a, it's a science. At the end, it is a science, and there are key influencers who are at this moment right now figuring out what next year is going to be and the year after. So it's really really interesting uh, process, and it's not willy nilly. You know, if someone just hasn't decided there's green and we're going to use that. There's a massive massive science behind it. Multi million pound industries 
put a lot of thought and effort into ensuring that they're buying on trend every year. We looked at that at the Dublin Tech Summit and looking at how trends are predicted and mm. the future and how social media and, and all of these tools are helping yes. to change that. Absolutely. I mean, how, how we consume design now is totally different than what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago because we see it in our clients and you know, they come to us armed to the teeth with everything. You know, so we're kind of on the same side of the table all of a sudden. It used to be, I don't know what to do and I go to an architect. Now they come and they say, well, I have about a thousand ideas about what I want to do and our role has kind of changed from not presenting the ideas but really figuring out what they really really want to do what's really at the core what they want because it's it's a double-edged sword as well because you can't oversaturate you know you can't have too much where you become confused and we see that in clients as well who come in and they've got everything and they have 300 images for a bathroom and it's like <laughs> this is really useful but you know i need two <laughs> you know it's fine to have the 300 but whittle it down to two or trying to really help them understand their own style as well as a constant. It's part and parcel of what we do all the time. Now, your own favourite trends. I mean, we've talked about what's in now, mm. but let's say your apartment, what does it look like? Oh, and will we see you on Home of the Year? Will you, will you be one of the celebrities on Home of the Year? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. We'll probably score a four from Hugh and maybe maybe a generous five from Deirdre if I was on it. Um, trends, I mean, look, I'm a big lover of colour. Uh, I know architects have this a lot of people think they just like white boxes but um you know if you can paint a room it's the easiest and quickest way to transform how you feel in a space it's an extremely powerful thing and in terms of our own apartment we had a room that we hated and we hated the furniture in it we hated everything because we live in an apartment and we looked at it and we said right what can we do and i was like we're going to paint the walls and we painted the you know dark inky blue went moody got some lighting in and when i say the transformation in the room it's not our favorite room it's not a room that reflects our personality. It's a room we spend most of our time in. Um, we, now we love the furniture as well because the furniture was white, uh, which looked horrible uh, with a really drab, you know, it's like a sandy grey colour on the wall. It just looked really kind of sad. And now in a really dark black blue, the white pops and the light and everything, it's just totally... And then we have like a mix of vintage furniture in there as well with new stuff. Um, so there's just a mixed bag in that room and it was the colour was the driver of it all. So... I mean, it's the one piece of advice I give to everybody. If you want to make a change and, you know, everybody has a different budget, everybody has different aspirations with their project. But if you can find the right colour, if you can make the change, um, it will drastically improve how a room feels. You know what? I, this is why I love radio, because you've painted this picture of this room and we all have maybe a million different versions in our mm. each one in our own mind of what that room looks like. But it sounds gorgeous mm. on a budget. This mm. is I, I, you know, when I watch a lot of the programs Room to Improve, you know, um, Home of the Year and you think, OK, if I had the money or if I had the time, I would do this, that. But let's face it, a lot of Irish homes are three beds, semi D's often quite dark, weren't built properly. Yes. So what do we do? What's your advice there, Declan, to start off if in the future our aspirations are to be on Home of the mm. Year, but even just to have a brighter, to make the most of what could be a darky mm. type space. I know I'm putting you on the spot and, on, and under a budget. I love it. Um, but I love that question because that's what architects and designers do. They take a question like that and it's all about managing the constraints and they figure out the best solution. That's what it is. Um, and funnily enough, we do it every day. You know, we have the mindset of a designer, you know, how you got here, the clothes you wear, what route you decided to drive here. You're, fit, you're looking at all the parameters and you're making a decision. Um, so something like that, it's a very specific problem, but it's obviously related to budget. If you have a huge, you know, 
in some degrees it's related to budget because it's I don't want people to be constrained by a small budget and just think well we only have xyz therefore our aspirations are pretty much zero and we're going to do nothing you need to look at what you've got look at what you're willing to spend and look at you know the main problems that you're having you might not be able to fix all of them but you you have to at least start by asking yourself questions understanding what the problems are understanding what the non-negotiables are for you to fix so if it is a case of i have a dark hallway and it is driving me mad and i have nowhere to put the pram and it's dry what are we going to do about it? it's like right write that out and stick it up on the fridge and answer it and answer it within a range of different budgets right well we could knock the wall down between the hallway and the open room for example which isn't a room that's used anyway and we could okay that's outside of our budget okay well i'll strike a line through that because it's not an option anymore but you know I'm not going to do nothing. So what's next? Is it a lick of paint and a certain type of light? Is it understanding that the buggy needs to go somewhere else? It can't go in the hallway, so stop leaving it there. <laughs> you know, and that might be unconventional. Well, where are we going to put it in the living room? It's like, I don't care where you're going to put it. But we've established that leaving it in the hallway is driving you nuts. So it's going to go somewhere else. And reacting to it and coming up with something clever, hanging it on a wall or, you know, if you, anyone who cycles, if there's a couple of people who cycle, been in people's houses and the bikes are all in the hallway. It's like, Find a spot for your bike that's not in the hallway because let's say you trip up after the, you're tripping up over this all day long. You're coming in with shopping, tripping it over. Find a spot for it. You find a bracket on the wall and put it up on the wall. You know, or you know, just find it. Find a spot anywhere other than there because at the minute it's in the absolute wrong position, and we only really notice bad design. We don't really notice good design. So when you come in, you trip over something. Something isn't working. So use design to fix it. Establish what the problem is. You know that's in the wrong place and. I keep, you know, it's like, right, it needs to go somewhere else. Where's it going to go? The only place it can go is behind the sofa in the living room or out the back or we need a covered area, you know. you know, The bike isn't going to come into the house at all. It's going to go to, you know, we have a bit of space over to the side of the house and we're going to buy a bike shed with a lock because it's secure. And, it, you know, just react to it. Don't just constantly leave it there and trip over it every single day because that's, that's designed for you in a nutshell. Bad design is tripping over your golf clubs in a hallway every single day that's driving you nuts. Brilliant. Just fix it. And it's design that is the answer. Talking to which, this series, can you give us some of your highlights for the third series? So obviously we had the first episode and we had the beautiful Georgian apartment. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Um, what I loved about that is on approach, it's a Georgian building. We had, we had no idea it was an apartment. Like I say, we have no idea what we're walking into. We soon figured it out. And how they had adapted that, how they had made the changes that were required to make it an apartment very, very simply, very sympathetically within the structure that they were working with was the first thing I was looking for. They absolutely nailed it. And then the style that they brought was on another level. Like that was a phenomenal apartment. Anybody who wonders about apartment living and thinks apartment living isn't for them, anybody who watches that, it will change their mind. It will change their perception of what apartments can be. And for that reason alone, I was so happy that it was there. Um, that was a big highlight for me. Other big highlights were... We had so many amazing picture windows this year. You know, main windows have an ongoing obsession, but there's a reason. You know, windows are about light. They're about opening spaces up. They're about how you feel. You know, as human beings, we gravitate towards the light. So big picture windows that bring light in and that frame of view, you know, that actually when you walk into a room that show a level of restraint, they don't just go, we have a lovely view, so we're going to put glass everywhere. They say, no, we have a lovely view, but we're. I don't want it to become wallpaper. I don't want it just to become something I forget about because it becomes so common and so normal for me so they really frame a particular view in a certain way we had loads of those and architects love picture windows so i was very happy about that um with some amazing conversions 
So these are buildings that might be 100, 150 years old and more, never intended to be used as a house. You know, a railway building, for example, or a schoolhouse or barns, you know, and yet, so they present unique challenges, trying to turn them into a home, trying to get the functionality there, but also in terms of a conservation point of view, trying to, you know, ensure that you show love and respect to the building first and foremost, and then you change it into a home and then you make it an amazing home on top of that. And that is a unique kind of a project because it has so many hurdles. And the only way you get through a building like that is that if you love it. Because if you ain't got the love for it, it's you, you won't last. Because you have to give it, you know, you have to make sacrifices and you have to give it what it needs. And then I love to see projects like that because if people like that, the owners of those type of homes and buildings, if they if they didn't have that love and that passion, the buildings would be gone. You know, and in fifty years time, a hundred years time they'd just be gone. And um so they're important as well. And they're amazing. It gives you something back that you can't have. You can't recreate it. You can't recreate a railway building. As an architect now, I can't go and design one, you know, and try and evoke something that's 150 years old with that very special and unique feel and warmth and character and all of that. You can't do it. So it's, um, yeah, it's great fun. Great fun. And it's on, on Thursday nights and there are eight episodes. And if anybody's missed anyone, if you missed last week's one, you can mm. watch it on the player now or te.e forward slash player. Declan, thank you so much. I kind of don't want to leave this lovely space and head back to studio <laughs> after this. Again, that's good design. You're very comfortable <laughs> here. You're happy. You want to hang around. So you're more than welcome. Declan, enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks so much for talking to us. Cheers. Thank you. That's it from me, Tara Lockery-Grant, and the Lifestyle Show for this week on RTE Radio 1 Extra. The show is produced by Ola McGowan, and you can listen back to our other Lifestyle Show podcasts on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and email us at rtlifestyle at rte.ie. Plus, you can tweet me on at Tara LG. That's Tara with a G-H. Goodbye for now, and if there's anything that you'd like to hear featured on the show, you know where to find us. The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra. 